You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. The following is a GoPowerCat.com and Spirit Street production. discovered your link to gopowercat.com's power cat questions podcast presented by fridge wholesale liquor and it starts right now now let's go to the wtc gig powered studios here's your host gopowercat.com publisher tim fitzgerald welcome to the power cat podcast the questions version that comes midweek at gopowercat.com tim fitzgerald Ryan Gilbert, Zach Carlson. I don't know why I did that, Zach, but I did it. Did you put a Z in the middle of my last name? You can't stop That's me. odd. You can't stop me. I'm out of control. And this is the one and only PowerCat podcast. Big decisions have been made about the podcast for this fall. No more overtime, at least for the fall. And in fact, we're not doing one this week just because, well, because I'm going to try to sneak out of town for a few days and doing it overtime really doesn't fit my agenda, me, Tim Fitzgerald. We're sponsored by The Fridge. My agenda is to stop in The Fridge and pick up some fun libations to smuggle across the border to Colorado. They have libations there, too, but there's a certain crappy beer that is used to make Nancy's at a certain establishment or two in Aggieville that for some reason is not available in Colorado. Hope he's smuggling. What? Yeah. Old Milwaukee. Don't have pineapple juice in Colorado? <laughs> no, they just, well, it's infused with something else. Uh, yeah, I'm going to smuggle some old Milwaukee across the border. It, I'm going to kind of be like uh, the original NASCAR guys, which were, you know, the bootleggers. The soup up yeah. the cars and drive real fast, carrying the bootleg alcohol. That's what I'm going to be doing. I'm going to speed across the the border. The Fitzes of Riley County, it's like the Dukes of Hazard, went too far, didn't I? Hmm. Get into the fridge whenever you're in Manhattan. I hope some of you are coming to town for the first game. It is nine, ten days away, depending on when you're listening to this. It's going to be great. It's going to be great. Come to town. Hey, there was a great suggestion to have a, a Zoom tailgate, Zach. Uh, I saw that. I think yeah, I saw that too. I think I'm going to do that. I'm, I think it's a good idea. I'm fired up. By the way, everyone, Gills is in a studio up on campus today, and he sounds fantastic. Speak, Gills. Hello. Look at that. Well, not look at that. Hear that. <laughs> he sounds so much better. And he's just on his little, you're just on your little phone microphone, right? Mm-hmm. Yes, sir. Man, his little headphones. He's not even on the, the cool AirPods. He's, he didn't have those. He's from an impoverished background. Hey, uh, so I have he, the AirPods. So he can't afford all the cool stuff <laughs> that the rest of us have. In fact, he's got an iPhone 2. Um, it wow. Is, it's the size of a small suitcase. It's a little secret about Gills. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah, it's uh, it's like a, a flip phone. It's actually an iPhone flip phone. Didn't know that existed, but they did. 
Hey, our segment sponsors are Tanners and the High Low. If you come to town, I wonder if people are going to come to town that aren't going to the game, but just come to town to watch the game in a place like Tanners. I don't know. And do you go to, since you can't tailgate, do you tailgate in Aggieville and then just head to the game? That's a pretty good plan. Tailgate before the game at Tanners or the High Low. There you go. Two questions from Wabash Station. Like I said, we're sponsored by The Fridge. And here's the MC of this quaint little affair, Ryan Gills Gilbert. First question of the podcast from WCAT. What are your thoughts on the OU game? When the schedule was announced, there was some grumbling about opening in Norman. But isn't it better to play them early instead of later since they have a quarterback that is a talent but has never started a game in the Big 12 and they have lost their top two running backs? I'm all in for it being the first game. How about you, Zach? I love it. I agree. You have Spencer Rattler just named the starter. I mean, that was... It was assumed that he would be the starter, but it's going to be his second career game, first career conference game. K-State's defense isn't inexperienced. Yes, it's in Norman, but it's going to be a three-quarters empty stadium. I mean, it's not. It's it's going to be weird, and why not have it have get this game out of the way early? You know, to to make a bad pun, rattle him early. You Ooh. know, just. Just, you know, I, I liked liked it. I, (laughs) I, I think that, I think that having this game in Norman at this time is probably the best possible outcome, you know, inexperienced quarterback. Yes. He's, he might be a five star, but yeah, I think K state's defense. I like the matchup. Uh, I know we're still a few weeks out. We've still got an Arkansas state game that K state has to handle business in, in the first place. Oh, my. <laughs> my. Folks, my phone is ringing right now with someone special. Someone Sorry. very I was, important. I was distracted by that. Yeah, it's fine. It's fine. <laughs> I... Hello, Tim. Uh, no. No. Yeah, I'm, I'm all in, man. I, all those reasons. Yes, 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 yes. Play them early. Get it out of the way. You got to go. I mean, it's not like, oh, well, it's a pandemic, so you don't have to go to Oklahoma. Uh, no, you got to do it, and it was going to be later in the season. Get them right out of the gate. Bunch of wild cards. Maybe K-State isn't ready, but maybe Oklahoma will be the one that isn't ready. We don't know. Let's just see what happens. Um, and honestly, I kind of like the fact that it's – everyone's going to have to adjust to not having a crowd. I guess that's what I'm saying. And it's going to take a little adjustment. So I'm kind of glad K-State gets to go on the road for that first Big 12 game because it's going to be weird to be at Oklahoma, which is one of the better environments in this conference, and to have hardly any fans. And plus, the little horses will be wearing masks, which is very strange. I don't. They, I mean, they won't have those. They won't have any of those game day things. They probably won't be shooting off their guns. I, I'm all in on doing it right out of the gate. Because even if you lose, okay, you lost Oklahoma. You know, most people thought you would. And now you're down to four home games and four road games. Go play the rest of your season. It's out of the way. Everything to gain in my book. Everything to gain. I'm all in. Gills, your thoughts on the Sooners week one of the actual Big 12 schedule. 
Yeah, I'm not usually someone who um, looks into that whole scheduling game about when you play someone, but I think it really does help K-State. I agree with both of you guys. You know, that's that's totally something that, that can help them out. And if you lose, it's your, your toughest game is out of the way, and you can kind of control your own destiny if you want from there on out. But it's definitely a young team without a couple running backs. You know, they've got a legitimate chance to win this game. I know people aren't going to say that, but I think they really do have a good chance. Um I think maybe the biggest thing to be concerned about is OU beating us last year. So yeah. you don't have Oklahoma sleeping throughout the whole game like they did last year. So that's that's the one question mark for me. Is, is Oklahoma going to be ready? Yeah, you're not sneaking up on them this year. Yeah. Not at all. You know, and you never know what the future would, would hold. I mean, maybe Spencer Rattler plays the full game, plays really well against K-State, and the, the next week he gets the COVID or he, you know, pulls his – brain muscle i don't know maybe then he misses a bunch of games and OU loses and it stinks but if i had to pick a a team to play on the road right out of the gate this would probably be it get it done see what happens take your chance i like your chances the best uh, as opposed to getting oklahoma when they've settled on a running back and a new quarterback is feeling his game and feeling confident Next question from Wildcat Pilot 88 With the changes to eligibility in 2020, how would you change the way you manage a roster from a normal year? More specifically, how might you utilize true freshmen differently, and how would that impact the use of upperclassmen? Everyone's on the table. I mean, I'm going to write about this. This is going to be such a weird year. You're going to have guys just disappear because not because they have COVID, but maybe they're in quarantine because they were around someone who had it. And that's the real issue here. So you're going to have to tap into walk-ons and true freshmen, and it's going to be a little bit haphazard, ragged play at times for everyone. You're going to be putting guys into positions to play that normally wouldn't play because it literally is a free year. It has no consequence in terms of their eligibility. So just let them play. And the upside of that is – they know they can play. There's no taking off practice. There's no half-assing it because I'm redshirting or coach isn't going to put me in or I'm just a walk-on that practices. I don't really need to know the game plan. Everyone needs to know the game plan. And the reality is there might be, I'll just pull this out as an example, there might be a game where Ross Elder, a backup safety, has to play receiver. So he has to learn basic things. These are these things are going to happen this season. It's just going to be bizarre. So, yeah, guys, it's a free year. Play away. Now, I would start getting cautious with scholarship management in 22. You know, 21 and 22, you got to be careful. You're going to get that bubble um, right in the middle there where, honestly, you're going to have problems for a long time. So... Um, and also, uh, bluntly put, with the scholarship management in the long term, if a guy wants to leave and he's not of great value to you, okay, go ahead, fine. We're not going to fight you. We're, you know, it, we'd prefer if he stayed, but there's one open scholarship. It's There's going to be so much player movement, guys. So much player movement. And the real beneficiaries will be the non-Power 5 programs. They will have a lot of 
power five type recruits that transfer out and down because there's not enough available roster spaces in the upcoming three, four years. At least for this season, I think that you're going to see a lot of, of squad rotation, you know, managing, you know, a more diverse roster, more plays um, for a lot of guys that wouldn't have had plays last year. Um, I think the best analogy I guess I can make was, would be, um, you know, take like a, a third grade or a youth, you know, a U10 baseball team, you know, everybody gets to play. Everybody gets to, you know, play different positions. I think you're going to see a lot of that. I think you're going to see a lot of rotation on the offensive line, especially that first game against Arkansas state. I think you're going to see a lot of different looks. I think there'll be a lot of subs and I would not be surprised if, you know, 60, 70 different guys got some sort of action just to, to, you know, get some sort of game action. Cause you don't know how much they're going to be needed uh, going into this season. I think, um, you know, you're going to need to see a lot of different guys on the, on the field just to kind of diversify your investment, so to speak of, of, you know, what players are at what position and how much experience they have, because you never know how much, you know, if, if a position group gets wiped out, like you said, you know, you don't know who is going to have to play. So I think at least early on, especially that first game, you're going to see a lot of, a lot of different looks. Well, if that's the case, Zach, then it doesn't matter if we win. It's just about having fun, right? <laughs> not, that was not the, not the point there. Not the point. You're still going to try to win. You're not going out to have fun, but from, from an analogy standpoint, look, you're going to see a lot of different guys play. I'm not going to say everybody's on the team is going to play. Not all 125 guys are going to play that first weekend, but I wouldn't be surprised to see more than half of them play. And Chris Kleiman's son will be the shortstop. That works. No, no. starting pitcher. Starting, starting pitcher. pitcher. Are you sure it's a shortstop? I don't know. I mean. Well, he'll be the quarterback. Since this is football, the coach's son's going to be the quarterback. Yeah, I'm not the one who brought up youth baseball. Yeah, You can't change your <laughs> metaphors. In the I'm sorry. <laughs> Next question from I Like Pickles Cat. Is it a good thing for K-State if players don't take, uh, want to take an extra year of eligibility? Uh, yeah, uh, unless they're really good. Unless, you know, as I pointed out in a daily delivery, like a Jerron McPherson, yeah, that'd be great if he came back. I mean, someone who really hasn't had enough playing time. I mean, I'd love it if the linebackers came back. I would love, I'd love it if really good players came back. But, you know, if you're – you're a scholarship guy that really doesn't play and you come back for a sixth season hoping you get to play, man, you're kind of clogging up the pipe here. Um, uh, you know, and the thing about it is those type of players with this year, this is, this is really interesting. The NCAA is probably going to really address the grad transfer rule. Because think of the number of grad transfers that'll be eligible, that'll be available. I mean, they're going to school right now. They're just not burning athletic eligibility. So you're going to have a lot of guys with two years of eligibility left on the back. You know, if they play their their card for the extra year, that are grad transfers. It's going to really get interesting. And depending on who those people are, you'll be like, okay, buddy, see you later. I mean, honestly, 
you need to bring in a you can't have thin classes for a number of years because the 2020 and 2021 freshman classes are kind of merged together in eligibility. I mean, so then you take 15, 15, 15, you know, I mean, it's, yeah, if guys want to move on, then you, you know, you end up with 20 in your recruiting class. Yeah. I, I think it would be a good thing for K-State if, if they didn't want to take their extra year of eligibility. Um, granted, these players are leaving and whoever's coming in is going to, you know, get good experience and perhaps even be better next year than the player they're replacing. I think that's good. You know, if it's like, like you said, John McPherson, if he wants to come back, well, yeah, that's going to help K state. So I think, you know, it's probably going to be a mixed bag of, you'll probably want half your guys to say and half your guys to leave just one, one of the reasons for, you know, having experience on the roster, the other, to promote that healthy roster turnover and, you know, get your scholarship count into a, you know, a reasonable number for the next five years, you know, hopefully this doesn't, this bubble, you know, slowly flattens out, you know, by the, by the time these, these class of 2020 and 2021 kids, once, you know, their eligibility is coming to an end after four or five years, you know, I think, you know, hopefully by the end of their careers, everything will be, back to normal, so to speak. I know we've talked about it before, but, you know, if you're Skylar Thompson, for example, you've got Howard and Rubley, you know, right behind you. That's the future of Wildcat football for a few years. So do you want to, you know, if you do decide to stay, you've got to realize that you're going to halt their their growth um, as, a, as a player. So I'm not telling Skylar to leave, but I'm just saying if you do that, then you are clogging it up for, you know, at least a couple of years. So it's, it's definitely a dilemma. Next question from Kned. All schools were at 25% capacity attendance. Iowa State just went 25K or 40%. Are we surprised? Did yeah. They, did they come back and say 25% or 25K? 25,000. They're at roughly 40% of capacity. I think this is crazy because I saw a story the other day. Ames, Iowa, per capita, is having the largest current breakout of, the yeah. la- of new cases in the last two weeks, Ames, Iowa is the center point of America for new COVID cases. Mm. And Iowa State is the one school in the Big 12 that is saying, let's have the most fans of anyone. And then the, their AD goes on to say, you know, if you guys don't follow social distancing or whatever and, you know, don't wear your mask or whatever, we'll go down to zero for the next week. Uh, <laughs> And maybe this is just saying, hey, we're going to lose this this first battle. We're already having a giant breakout. We're going to have to be at zero for the next game or whatever. Maybe it's just a way of saying, you know, saying, hey, you guys weren't good enough. Look at how bad we are. But you, at least you got to watch one game. Maybe that's the play. I think it's dumb if that is the play. But I, I think it's it's wild that they're going to try having as many people in the stadium just considering their environment. I, I mean, KU's gone down to zero fans for for their home opener, actually, their season opener. They, they went up to that. They were going to actually have negative fans, <laughs> and then they increased attendance to zero. <laughs> it's, um, I'm I'm all in on them doing this. Here's why: not that I'm in favor of it, but let's see what the hell happens if they want to do a little experiment on themselves. Let's see, maybe. 
they'll have 25,000 fans. They have COVID all over town. And we won't trace a bunch of COVID to the stands. Now, I, I bet you there will be cases, but who knows? Let's just let it go and see what happens. And if they want to gamble with their own well-being, that's fine. You wouldn't catch me in that situation. But, of course, you know, I have other health issues, so that's that's different. But I, I got to just say, if, if you're an Iowa State fan with some underlying health issues, if, even if it's obesity – and you're in your 50s, going to that game just seems foolhardy. It's a football game that's going to be on TV. I just, well, let's, let's see what happens. Um, I've been told a lot of things would end up with, you know, massive amounts of cases, and that really hasn't always been, been what occurred. So what if Iowa State has 25 thousand fans at their game and two weeks later when we're at the second Saturday of Big 12 football we realize there was no major outbreak from those 25,000 fans do we write that off as good fortune or maybe that being in an open air stadium with masks was enough protection to stop the spread so it's almost like an experiment We interrupt today's podcast with this breaking news. Iowa State, clearly in response to us making fun of them for having so many fans in the stands for week one, has now decided to not have any fans. Zero fans at the Cyclones opener. Went from 25,000 to zero. It kind of sums up Iowa State football. Back to the podcast. Another argument, though, is I think Iowa State's, you know, they're playing with fire here on the future of their own football team's future. Yeah. I mean, if if the community is having a large outbreak, that puts Iowa State football players at the highest chance in the conference of having an outbreak. Yes, I know that everyone's going to be tested, but how how much are other Big 12 teams going to want to play Iowa State if it does get out of control? Iowa State, Iowa State might just, just be, quote or you know, just de facto just kicked out of the conference for this season if, if they've got such a big outbreak that they can't play football games. Yeah, I mean, here's a question. Yes, I know though. it's it's not going to last forever, but it it is kind of something to think about. I think. What What about places like Stillwater, where the front rows of the stadium are right on top of the bench? Surely those are going to be vacant. I mean, you have fans within six yeah. feet of players. I haven't seen pictures of the bench areas at Stillwater, but they did Oklahoma State's version of the cat cushion. I don't know what they call it there, but those, you know, the bleacher cushion covers, they put them in groups of four and they spread them out. And I thought it was really good, really smart. I hope K State does that. Mm. I don't know if there's a question in this podcast. There was a question that I was going to mention this. It might have been in the overtime, but you know, I think Oklahoma State did an did an excellent job of, you know, marking, "Hey, here's where you can sit." I think K-State should follow suit if they haven't. But That's kind um, of brilliant. Putting the cat cushions out, you know, it marks where you can be and where you can't. And there were groups of four four seats. 
you know, they did 25%. Um, you know, I think it looked, it looks pretty good. I thought I'm with you Fitz. I mean, go for it. You know, if it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out, but you got to at least, at least try to do something. Cause if it does work out and there is no sort of tracing, then that's going to lead not only Iowa state to continue to do that, but every school around the big 12, you know, it looks the big 10, it makes the big 10 look even worse. So it's always a positive. So I think you, you just got to go for it. It doesn't work out. It doesn't work out, but we'll see. And let me explain the nuance in case you're missing it. I'm a mask guy. I think if you're going to a grocery store, you're going to be around some people that you don't know their history or what they're going through or what their needs are. We should all just be trying to help each other out with a mask and mask will be required in a football stadium, but this is literally a controlled environment in which you voluntarily go into it. It's not like there's going to be someone just hanging out at the stadium and they get exposed. But, well, I didn't know the rules. If you're in that stadium, you know what's going on. So let's just see what happens. I don't know. Maybe... Maybe we'll find out that Ames, Iowa is the epicenter of herd immunity and they saved the world. <laughs> and then the Cyclones go seven and four. Talk six about, and four. Oh, that's right. I'm sorry. I gave them too many wins. Six and four and gave talk about game. how good their coach is. Next question from KNET. As we mentioned here, KU announced no fans in attendance. Does this mean Coastal Carolina can hold the rivalry game pinata trophy ceremony on the field this year. Oh, my God. I forgot about that. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. What's most beautiful is they're acting like it's a rivalry game. It's a payback game. You know, come, good Lord, you're a Big 12 institution. <laughs> you lost to Coastal Carolina. Oh, man. It's a sad position. I kind of like that they scheduled but what if they lose again? Ooh. Wouldn't that just completely decimate that program, basically? Like, oh, we lost to them again. We were telling you we we're making progress. And then they won't have any problems not having fans in the stands the rest of the season. Was this game supposed to be in Coastal Carolina this year? Was it? I think so. Maybe. Yeah. There, I thought there was supposed to be a road game because KU went to Boston College last year. They played Coastal at, at home. I, I could have sworn this game was meant to be at Coastal Carolina. I thought there was a return game there. I have to admit, I haven't done my full research on University of Kansas football. <laughs> I just don't care. But, yeah, I think you're right. I think it was. Um, so they paid him to come back in. Oh, well. I think Coastal Carolina is like, we'll play anywhere. You play on the coast or in Kansas or Africa. Africa. I like it. Last question of the first half from KNED. Is KU's no attendance announcement signaling the Big Ten that they should switch places with Nebraska? Uh, I just think it's like, why do we want to bother with all the COVID protocols when people don't really want to be here? Let's just let them off the hook and not be annoyed by it. See how it goes. I don't know. I I thought it was interesting. No fans. I mean, is it really no fans, guys? Is it really? If a big donor says, 
Hey, Jeff Long, I want to use my suite for Coastal Carolina. You think Jeff Long is going to say, nah, you can't. Well, I'm going to give you a million dollars for that new football thingy-majigger. Nah, you can't. I, I don't know. I, I think it's weird. I think there's probably some underlying reasons here that they're not stating, but that's fine. They have their own battles to fight. I've been getting annoyed on Twitter with people saying, that, oh, KU's attendance was up last year, and they even sold out a game versus K-State. Like, I try to remain neutral and not bash on KU, but that's just clownish thing to say right there. I What's, mean, literally, what percentage of that stadium was purple? Over half, at least. And was it really full? No. It was pretty full. I think it was pretty full. It wasn't full. Yeah, they, they've gotten into this. It's full of purple. Uh, yeah, sure. <laughs> selling phony tickets, or they've always been. I mean, Kansas did the same. Kansas. K-State did the same with Bramage Coliseum for years. We had 12,000 attendants, and, you know, half of it's empty. That's the way they've gotten. They, I swear, they, they just ignore all the technology and all the ticket counters and all the scan information. And some associate AD looks around the stadium and goes, Looks like 75000 to me. You know, I, I think that's how they do their attendance. That's it for the first half of the PowerCat podcast. Zoom is not ideal for podcasting, but it's good that I can see these guys, except Zach is in the shadows. Zach always backlights himself. Oh, do you want me to switch this? No, you're fine, brother. You're fine. You can do whatever works best for you. Oh, my God, that's bright. Oh, boy. Yeah, look at that. Oh, 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 oh am I better? That, oh, that is better. Oh, hold on. Here we go, folks. He's he's, oh. he's flipping the blinds so there's oh. slats up instead of slats. Slats down. up. Oh, better? Oh, that's wow. a little yeah. bit better. A little better. Man, what Beautiful. an ending to the first half. Yeah. A dramatic ending to the first half of this week's questions podcast. Whew. Glad we get to take a break and gather ourselves. Stay locked in. The PowerCat podcast will be right back. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. We now send it back to Fitz in the WTC gig-powered studios. Welcome back to the PowerCat Questions podcast, the one and only. Hope everyone's doing well. Hope everyone's looking forward to football season. I hope we get to have a full season. It's going to be a weird season, I know that. Well, it's going to be really weird for me because I will never be in a stadium this year. 
odd. Zach Carlson will be there. Uh, so here's our plan. And, and uh, sports information, folks, if you're listening, uh, please turn this off. Um, so all media is limited to the press box. You can't go, like, out into the stands and you can't go shoot from an uh, – it's weird. You, you know, if we wanted to go shoot from the stands but be 100 feet from anyone else, we can't do that. That's cool. So here's my plan. We are going to get a bungee cord system and hang Zach out of the press box and dangle him down with his camera. So it's going to be like a a giant uh, bouncy seat like kids have in the doorway. And Zach's just going to be there suspended in air shooting the game. It's going to be fantastic. It's going to be a whole new. That's the cutting edge crap you get from us. Suspension Zach video. In fact, that's trademarked, by the way, Suspension Zach video. I I feel like I need to take out an insurance policy. Oh, I've I've already taken one on you. (laughs) (laughs) So, Fitz, how did you get independently wealthy? Well, let me tell you about an employee I once had named Zach. (laughs) Which I is, bought a life insurance policy on his life. <laughs> which is kind of the same sound he made when he hit the ground. Zach. It's a question from Wabash Station. We're sponsored by The Fridge. Thank you to Tanners and Hilo for being our segment sponsors. I used to say one and then the other, and now I'm just sharing the segments. I'm sharing the love. They get their booze from The Fridge, and so should you. Here's Gills. First question of the second half from Wildcat Pilot 88. Who will have a better year at defensive end? Wyatt Hubert or the remaining defensive ends combined? The defensive ends combined. I'm doubling down on my earlier prediction that Khalid Duke will have more sacks this season than Wyatt Hubert. If they both play all the games. Khalid Duke's going to be a stud because everyone's going to block Wyatt Hubert. Everyone. I mean, I I kind of agree with you, Fitz. As much as I want to say Wyatt, I mean, Khalid Duke is still a really good number two defensive end. Plus, you know, whoever else comes in to replace, you know, one of those two, you know, on a rotation or, you know, a different look. Yeah, I think that the rest of the defensive ends combined are going to end up being better than Wyatt Hubert. I'm with you guys. Yeah. See, that's, that's it, Zach. Gills dropped in. It was kind of his way of saying, I greatly admire you two because your opinions are quality. And that's what I just Most heard. Most of the time. That's what I heard yeah. right there. Yeah, That's what I heard, too. Mm. Okay. What I said. <laughs> Next question from No Talent. Yeah, As Clown. Leap Clown. As Clown, okay. As, it was as. He wanted yeah. to use the S's, and uh, I said, no, we probably need to go with the Z's. And then uh, I approved the name John <laughs> Quefald on Quefald on the side. I, so what do I know? John Quefald, you got to ask a question on yeah, here. Come on, man. No talent as clown wants to know. My understanding is that the team is limited on the number of players it can take to away games. Is there any word on the number of players being bumped up? So if a case of COVID is diagnosed on a Friday or day of the game, backup players can be utilized. I don't know. They're going to announce everything they're doing with the COVID parameters for games um, on Friday. I wrote about it Wednesday at Go Powercat. Jamie Pollard, the 
AD at Iowa State kind of spoke out of turn. He got ahead of everything. They hadn't approved anything, and he spoke of it like it was done. There will be some kind of protocols in place, and maybe what he spoke of will end up being what it is, but it hasn't been voted on. They needed to get more feedback from coaches. So that might be something coaches point out. Look, you can say 53-man, but what if we get to Stillwater and we find out that 10 guys are sick? What do we do? I mean, you know what? So uh, all that will be taken into consideration. Yeah, I don't know. Well, the next question will get into it. I mean, if if what if the 53-man roster is, you know, what what it is, you know, that's actually less than what – a normal travel right. roster is, which I think is 65, 70, not actually entirely certain on what the actual number is. Um, I would anticipate probably a lower roster. Just, you know, take, I don't know, take as many guys that take the guys you need, I guess. Don't expose, don't potentially expose guys you may need next week in case the first guys get exposed is I guess how I kind of see it is you might want to, you might only want to take what you need and what you know is negative um, just to prevent anything for, for future weeks. But I don't know. That's, that's kind of how I see it. There's two ways to look at it. Certainly. So what's the definition of need? Because you never know who you're going to need because injuries and stuff can pop up. So, well, I think you go too deep and then, you know, that puts you at 44 plus three specialists. I know I, we'll get into the next question, but you know, you get to that. Maybe yeah. it's, you know, maybe it's not 53, maybe it's 60, but there's probably going to be a minimum roster number that the teams set that they will follow. And if, if they, for whatever reason, go below it, you know, if you don't have enough posi- you know, if you can't fill out a two deep, that's pretty bad. If you can't fill out a two deep, you're in trouble and that game's going to be canceled. I mean, really think about it. How many times in a college football game have you needed to go deeper than a, a two deep? Next question from Powercat Ryan. How would you make your 53 man roster? I don't need names, but numbers at each position. Don't forget a long snapper or other special team specialists. Yeah. Don, stop and think about this. Zach was just mentioning this. You got to. A two deep, which is really 12 positions normally now. I mean, because you either have a third linebacker or you have a third receiver or a fullback. You know, generally recognized as 12 spots offensively and defensively on your depth chart. So, I mean, that gets you to 48. And then I guess you're right with a long snapper, a kicker, and punter. I mean – you're already looking 51 at 51 there. I mean, maybe that's the 53 number. You've got to have a available two deep and, you know, maybe a couple other special teams guys that are designated. Yeah. Uh, it's interesting. I, You know, Jamie Pollard said you got to have a quarterback. Well, I'm like, a quarterback isn't a quarterback. I mean, let's be honest. You, 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 and you need two. I mean, quarterbacks get hurt. Uh, you can't go into a game with one quarterback. I mean, that's not reasonable to be a productive team to go into a game with your third-string quarterback, and that's good enough. That's all you got. I mean, he might get his head ripped off in the first quarter. Then, you know, what What do you do? It's hard to plan for that. So I think you need to have two of everything. Um, but, yeah, it's. I'm looking forward to seeing how they handle it because it's going to be a lot of math and – you know, applied with football, common sense. 53 for a college team is awful low because of special teams. 
It just is. Yeah. I mean, it, usually your special teams are, you know, at least five or six guys per unit that might be unique to that unit. And that's how you get playing time as a young player. It's different than the league, than pro. So it's it's going to fascinate me to see how they sort this out. Yeah, it might be tough to to get to an actual 53 roster. But, I mean, if you really wanted to cut it down, do you need five extra offensive linemen? You know, you need a, you know, you need a center, you need a guard, you need a tackle. You know, you can probably get away with three or four there. You know, I'd probably say, you know, just follow the NFL rules, at least on quarterbacks. You know, you have a, a starter and a backup, and then you have an emergency quarterback that can only play if the first two get injured. You know, maybe that's a way of protecting, you know, at least one position there. But even at that point, are you just going to throw in a, a wide receiver that played quarterback in high school? You know, there's there's different ways to get, I don't know, a healthy roster without using too many guys, I guess. So I, I don't, you know, there's there's different ways to do the math, but I think that a, a two deep plus three specialists you know, maybe a fourth specialist, uh, you know, a couple kick returners or, you know, people special, maybe it's 55 or 58 players, 60 players, but you know, there's really how many different, different players are actually playing in a game or that you can get away with. Next question from D Bremer 73 with multiple members of the team testing positive. Can we get this under control before our first game? And I'll butt in here. I, I think there's no way. There's going to be positive tests, I think, all throughout the season. Like K-State right now, there's a big spike. Um, there's a lot of rumors that classes will be going online here within a matter of days. So we'll see what happens, but I don't think that, quote-unquote, getting under control is, is really going to happen. I guess, what is under control? How do you define it? Yeah, it control yeah. zero cases. It's under control five cases. You know, what constitutes an outbreak? What doesn't? You know, what's just a nice case? You know, yeah. I mean, if you can't get reinfected, like experts have said, you know, obviously science evolves and, you know, things can change. But if everyone that tested positive over the summer is good for the foreseeable future, and if these guys keep testing positive, theoretically, once they recover, they shouldn't get it again. You know, I guess that's another way to look at it is, is under control you know, once enough guys are immune, are we good to go? You know, who, who's to say? Well, here's the challenge, guys. It's not really about we have seven guys that are known infections. Who do they live with? Because the quarantine rules extend out. And if you're living with someone who gets infected, you're screwed. You are in quarantine and can't practice or play for X number of days. What that number is becomes curious because I'm under the impression that if you're exposed to someone who has COVID and you get past 10 days, you're in the clear. But it sounds like they're working off still a two, three week window. I'm not sure it was ever announced, but I think Major League Baseball adjusted how they handle that. I think they're approaching it differently than what they did initially when they just shut everything down. Um, and, I, and I think that's really the, the challenge for sports isn't the infections. They will happen. It's how you handle the quarantine of others who may have been infected, 
but likely were not based on the percentages we're seeing now. I mean, that's when you get into this mathematical, exponential points of contact that will get difficult to field teams. And that's that's really going to be the biggest challenge here. And also to back up what Gil says, the, the biggest lesson I've learned from baseball is it's going to happen. You're going to have incidents where you're shorthanded for a week and can't play. You got to just keep going. And unless it really takes off, you got to keep going. And Gills, I do wonder if campus is going all remote. Is it in part to protect the football team? To protect hmm. things, you know? I mean, I, personal opinion is just to protect themselves from looking like a bad school for you know keeping it open when there's so many cases. That's my opinion. Uh, I would agree with that. I mean, we all know what it's about. They they need you there to pay your fees and tuition and not. Yeah, they got my money already. I can't get it back. So is it past the drop date though? I mean, couldn't you? No, drop? it's not past. Uh, yeah, not yet. still got till the end of September, I think. See, that's the problem is they do it too early. People might say, okay, well, I'm going to drop my classes. I want a refund. K-State, no institution wants that right now. None. It's just the math for the finances of athletic departments and educational schools, whatever, it's awful. They're all in big financial trouble. And so they're trying to get through this. They really are. What really bugs me is you know the on-campus fees, the rec center fee, all these things. We're not getting those back no matter what. And you know I can't just not pay them. You have to pay them. So if and when they do go online, that money's gone. So and you can talk about getting a worse education over Zoom versus in person. Like there's no arguing that. But you're still getting, you know, you're still getting that that credit for the class. So at the end of the day, that doesn't change. But just that sunk, you know, that money that you're not getting back for things you did pay for on campus is really what just kind of bugs me. So we'll see what happens. Um, the one argument for, I guess, the university here and something smart they've done, which which looks smart now, it's never been smart, but the fact that they charge more for online-only classes in the first place makes them look brilliant right now because you can't say you're getting less education as online-only when the online-only costs more than going in person. It's It's interesting that, I mean... Really, they kind of have an upper hand here. They can move it online, and if you're going to complain, well, you can say, well, if you wanted online class, we're actually giving you a discount here. If you wanted online only classes, you'd have to actually pay more. So, you know, it's kind of an interesting argument there that I've seen pop up with like these students from the, the spring that were, you know, trying to file lawsuits saying, hey, our education experience changed. You owe us our money back when in reality they still paid less money for an equivalent experience. One more thing to add in. I text, I told you guys this, that my brother lives with a football player, right? And my brother lives his life, and obviously I won't name names, but the football player has not been the most responsible. Let's put it that way. So, you, I mean, some of these football players really do care, but there's a lot of them that are not doing what they're supposed to be doing. So that's the biggest issue that – I don't think a lot of people realize, I mean, even if they are following all the protocols, I have classes with some football players, you know, they're going to be exposed in the classroom. So the biggest issue 
is really these players just being smart. Even if things do go online, they're still going to have that freedom to live their life however they want to do. So I know a number of those positive cases came from some not great decisions. So, Which we all did when we were that age. But, mm-hmm. I mean, that, short of being able to put all your players in one bedroom or studio living conditions, we're just going to have this where – where guys, their roommates get exposed and then they're in trouble because they're out doing stuff. Uh, you're not going to stop knuckleheads, unfortunately, and we saw that at the major league level. Next question from KNED. With 9 o'clock p.m. starts confirmed, is that even more incentive to win? I somehow totally missed that the KU Coastal game was at 9 p.m. when I looked at the schedule. Um, I think this is going to be... A rarity, and it was done with the approval of the the participants. I mean, I guess if you want to play a nine p.m. game, they'll let you fill that slot. But they want those late games. They they get TV ratings. Not having the West Coast teams is really going to impact that. So, yeah, if you're willing to do it, then you'll get that game. But boy, that's a lot to ask. That's that's tough on everyone. It really is. Yeah, yeah, it's tough. I think 8.30 is probably about as late as you can go. Then again, I think about the East Coast. There's some game times. You know, when you have a you have an 8 o'clock Central tip-off for Big Monday in the Big 12, 8 p.m. Central is when those games tip off. If you're playing at West Virginia, that's a 9 o'clock Eastern game. If you're tipping it at 8 p.m. Central, you know, I think – I think this reluctance, I guess, for for late kicks and late late tip offs, uh, I think it just comes from being in the central time zone. On maybe maybe not so much on the west coast, you know, it affects us on the east side of the country and in the central. But on the east coast, you know, they're going after midnight a lot of times. Games there, and while it's still early out west, it's still pretty late there. So. I think, you know, as long as these TV windows are available and the networks want and need to fill them, I think that you could see a lot of, you could potentially see some Big 12 after dark. I mean, what what would you rather have? Would you rather have an 11 a.m. game on ESPN Plus? Or would no. you rather play on ESPN at 9 o'clock and roll straight into Sports Center at midnight? You know, I mean, or college football final on, you know, early Sunday morning. You know, I, I think that... I think I'd rather play on on cable there than play on ESPN Plus. If we're being honest, it's just easier to to flip around games at that point. To connect this to the thread you had about Big Twelve expansion on Wabash, which was really interesting, I'm in favor of adding Western. I would love to raid the Pac-12. I just would, and get four schools out of there. I mean, I know what four schools I would take, but here's the thing: is if you do that. It puts you into that time slot. It adds value to your television rights because now you can fill an entirely different time slot. So the Big 12 would be capable of the 11 a.m. kick, which is the earliest 11 a.m. Central, earliest kick that is televised, and go all the way to the after dark 9 p.m. kick. You'd have all of that covered. Your TV package would have that amount of flexibility. And currently the Pac-12 doesn't have those early games. 
they can't do that. So they're limited to the later segments. The value of having all the time slots available to you, I think, is enormous when you go negotiate a TV package. We can fill everything for you. We're going to have, because of our four teams out west, on on average, we're going to have two of those teams playing at home every Saturday, and one of them could be a 7 p.m. kick in their time zone for a 9 p.m. you know central kick, and it's, I think it becomes of great value. Plus, I mean, I, I want to go to Arizona. I want to go ahead. Yeah. Even this year, though, I mean, if if KU is going to play at nine, that's at least one team that wants you know that's fine with playing that late. If other teams are fine playing that late, you might see a network say, "Hey, it's Big Twelve Saturday, eleven a.m. to one in the morning. We're going to play Big Twelve football all day." That could be huge if that's ESPN or, I mean, probably a network like ABC or Fox probably wouldn't do that, but they could, or even Fox Sports One could do it. So. It'd be really interesting to see if if they say, hey, if if a network decides to go all in on the Big Twelve and and tries doing, you know, all games in every every major slot. Let Iowa State do it; they'll do anything. Last question of the podcast from Kned: What are the odds that Sunflower Showdown is an after dark game? No, oh, huh? That'd be kind of fun. I mean, that game is usually relegated to low viewership slots. I wouldn't two thirty FSN yeah, versus ESPN at nine. Yeah. yeah, I wouldn't object to that. I might be pretty tired doing the post game show. Yeah. I'm in. I'm in. Let KU fill that up. You know, if you're KU, I think it's brilliant. Actually, I, yeah, we'll take that slot. We're going to get some exposure out of it, and we're they're even recu- recruiting some of the West Coast. So I I think it's really smart. I, I do. And I mean, if you're Overwhelmed by you know your that week it's um, Oklahoma's playing Texas and you know there's other good games but hey we'll play at nine to be on a national slot let's do it that's it that's it for the Powercat Questions podcast I summed it up so well everyone was left speechless or I muted them one of the two I might have muted them all because I wanted to have the final word. But that is the final word this week. Thank you to the Fritz. Thank you to the High Low. Thank you to Tanners. Thank you to Zach. Thank you to Gills. Thank you to me. Sometimes you just got to take time to thank yourself. No overtime this week. Thank you, Fitz. Thank you for that. But we will be back next week with a full slate, mostly, of Powercat Podcasts. You've been listening to the PowerCat Questions podcast presented by Fridge Wholesale Liquor. PowerCat Podcast. All rights reserved. GoPowerCat.com and Spirit Street Publishing. You ready for this? Yeah. If is the most original and heartfelt movie in years. Magic like this comes around once in a lifetime. This Friday, experience it with your whole family. Can we do it again? If ready PG.